This is MSF Torah. It's not just a podcast. It's an in-depth analysis of the fundamentals of Torah. Presenting the truth as seen through the eyes of the Torah. Don't forget to follow the podcast, visit our website at msoftorah.com and join Patreon for exclusive content. Typically, when somebody puts forth the argument of intelligent design, which is known as the argument from design, which argues that clearly there must have been a creator creating the world, somebody who is a non-believer will respond by saying that he believes in evolution. The response to the ar- argument from design will typically be evolution. We say that there must have been a creator, and the non-believer will say that he says that with evolution, there's no more necessity to believe in intelligent design. He will claim that evolution eliminates the necessity for intelligent design. As long as you have the theory of evolution, then I don't need to posit anymore that the world was intelligently designed, that was from a creator. Evolution can explain it all. And that's his claim. Is this really true? This is what we want to discuss. Is this really true that the theory of evolution can obviate the, the necessity of a creator? Does the theory of evolution really make it not necessary to believe in, in a creator anymore. Again, this is what we hear all the time, but let's try and understand whether this is true or not. Let's analyze this in its depth, whether this claim, this response, is going to be true. Now, we're going to discuss evolution, but not from the typical angle. Normally, a lot of the time is spent on discussing, discussing whether evolution happened, the proofs of evolution, and we will speak about that. But I want to make a clear point. Now, before we make this point, I want to define evolution. I'm about, I want to read a couple of different definitions about uh, what evolution is, and I think it's, as we'll see soon, it's important to put, put this all in the definition of evolution. So one defolution, definition of evolution says as follows, the evolution is the process by which different kinds of living organisms are thought to have developed and diversified from earlier forms during the history of the earth. That's what evolution means. Simple organisms, which they don't say, but that's, that's what it is, to more complex. And the next one, evolution is a process of gradual change that, take pl- that takes place over many generations during which species of animals, plants, or insects slowly change some of their physical characteristics. And here's some more definitions. Changes over time from a simpler form to a more complex one, or common ancestry is part of it. And here let's pay attention to this last one. This is what I want to point out. Unguided, undirected process known as natural selection, acting on random mutations that has produced all the forms of life that we see. So we've just given a bunch of definitions, evolutions from different places, all pretty much saying the same thing, that it's a change over time from some living organism to others, and that explains the life on this world or the whole world. And the last one added in this this point of unguided, undirected process. So we're going to speak about that point. Now, when we talk about evolution, again, as we said before, and I want to make it clear, there are really two different questions regarding evolution. And let's make a clear, clear distinction about what we're discussing and what we're not discussing. One question is whether or not evolution actually happened. Did evolution, is the theory of evolution a good description of the source of life on this world? Did it actually happen as the evolutionists say it happened? Is that what happened in history? That's not going to be our question now. We're not going to be discussing this point. This question, as we're going to make clear momentarily, doesn't even touch on the subject of intelligent design, contrary to popular belief. Rather, this question is more 
apropos to talk about in terms of the veracity of the Torah, explicitly, more obviously, the the veracity of Sefer Beratius, whether the description of Beratius, of how man came about is true, or whether evolution is true, that is what that question touches on. Whether evolution happened or not, Did was the world created in six days or 15 billion years? That's not what we're discussing right now. So again, let's make that very clear. We are not discussing right now about ev- whether evolution happened or not. In fact, to make things much simpler, let's assume for the, whole, the entirety of this discussion that evolution actually did happen. We're going to take it for granted that evolution, exactly as they described, happened. That there was simpler organisms that evolved into complex organisms, and they have common ancestry, and everything evolution says, except one thing, which we'll see, we're going to accept that, that it happened. So for the purposes of our discussion, evolution actually happened as they described it. Our discussion is not centered on that. Our discussion is not that evolution happened, but could have evolution have happened without God or without a designer? Meaning, even if evolution happened, there's still a question, which is, could this, which you are describing and you see in nature, let's say they see evolution in nature, could this have happened randomly or did it require a designer to happen? So again, even if I were to accept that evolution is actually what happened, could it have been an unguided process? So what people tend to do is conflate two different ideas together. So we saw before how there was many things in the definition of evolution, but one thing that they added was that it was an unguided process what was the words again? Unguided, undirected process known as natural selection. So unguided, undirected, random, acting on random mutations. Those were the key words. The idea of evolution is sim- could simply be a scientific theory that may or may not be true. And again, like I said, we're going to assume for now that it is true. But attached to the claim of evolution is another claim, which is that it could be unguided or random process. This means that it could have come about entirely by accident. So again, what people tend to say is that evolution has been proven, but what's really, and, and then what they do with that is ev- that they, that they assume that all those parts, all those definitions are also proven as well. If they can prove evolution that it happened, then they could also attach to it all the claims that are anyways attached to it and can claim that all those claims that are attached to it are already proven as well. Evolution is really an umbrella term that includes many things as we saw. And people tend to think that if one of the tenets of evolution are proven, then the other ones are as well. That necessarily does not does not necessarily have to be true. Again, we're going to assume that evolution actually happened. But the question is, could it have been unguided or, or random? Even if you were to assume points one, two, three, or four about evolution, that simpler organs have evolved into complex organs through mutations, fine. But could all of that, does it all have to be, could it have been, really, is the, is the more accurate way of saying it, could it have been random and unguided or not? That's really going to be the question. So again, just to say it again, we're going to assume evolution happened now. The question we're going to be dealing with is not whether it happened or not, but whether what we assume now happened could have happened randomly as an unguided process or did it actually need a designer. When someone says that the world was intelligent design, just look at the world, how could you not see it? It's obvious. And someone responds that I could respond with evolution that evolution explains it all. Evolution is just simply stating a scientific theory explaining how living beings got here. But that's different than saying that it all happened by accident. Again, there are two different things. There's the process of evolution, and there's this claim attached to it that it happened unguided and by random mutations without a designer. And that's where the issue really lies. Is that true? 
So we're going to discuss this particular issue. Uh, could it, i.e., could it have, have happened by accident? Of course, we realize all that this is, should be obvious that if someone now were to prove or to suggest a pathway for a certain organism and explain how it got from point A to point B, from a simpler organism to a, a more complex one. So if someone were to prove, in short, if someone were to prove evolution did happen or even could have happened, this wouldn't affect the question one way or another. It wouldn't touch our question. Since we're assuming that evolution did happen, so showing how evolution could happen or proving that it did won't impact our question. We assume that already. This is obvious. Our question is about that process that you are observing. Could it have happened unguided, randomly, or not? Because we're observing a process that happened doesn't mean that we have to assume or can assume that it happened unguided. We're just observing a created, maybe we're just observing a created being involved the way it was meant to, as designed by the designer. Maybe the reason what you're observing is that it was simply programmed into a living organism, and it takes time to evolve just as the designer planned. So who says that it could have happened undesigned? So let's say you had a machine that cleaned your house or whatever it did. It also took care of itself. It did its job, it cleaned properly and charged itself, it cleaned itself, also it, made, it took care of itself, it, it, was, it was in charge of its own upkeep and the upkeep of the house. It did everything. There's no outside help. It just, you put it on and that was it, done. And somebody would come in and, and watch the machine and say, look, it doesn't need any help. It doesn't need an engineer. It does everything by itself. It cleans itself, it takes care of itself, it, when it gets broken, it fixes itself, it's an unbelievable thing. Clearly, it didn't need any outside help, didn't need an engineer to design it. So we would respond by saying that you're observing the end product, which was designed by an engineer. It was put into the system that the machine should take care of itself and do everything. You can't now come and claim that it didn't need an engineer because the engineer, engineer did such a good job that he doesn't need to be involved anymore in the day-to-day upkeep of it. So now you can't say that, well, it didn't need an engineer. Obviously, that would be absurd. So it's, it could th- theoretically be the same thing. Will, in this sense, it is the same thing by evolution. Just because you're seeing something, a simple organism, evolving into a complex organism, living thing, it does not mean that you can now say, well, look, since I don't see a designer, it must be that it could have helped without a designer. No, maybe you're just simply seeing the, des- the result of a designer. So how could you just, you can't simply claim that because evolution is true, therefore it, was, it could be unguided or random. That's, those two things don't have to go together. That's for sure what we want to establish here. So there are really two points to consider when discussing this particular question. And we're going to go through one, one by one. Number one is, could a bunch of accidents really lead to the world we see? In terms of the process, well, we, let's say we start from living thing A and we get to living thing B. So we go A to B. Evolution claims to explain how A could get to B. So even if that's True, like we said, again, we're assuming that evolution happens, but in order to get from A to B, there's a process. And the claim is that we're discussing is that even something that's accidental, even if there's no designer, it could get from A to B simply with accidents. That's claim number one. That's problem number one, we'll say. And problem two, which could be even a bigger problem, is not the issue at all of evolution, not issue at all of discussing the process of evolution. Meaning it's nothing to do with how A gets to B. It's simply about what it's called in science, origin of life. In layman's terms, in our analogy, would be how did A get there? Now we're going to discuss point by point, one by one. And really what I want to show is that evolution is really not the, the point of discussion at all. Evolution itself cannot claim to answer the problem, the, the proof presented by intelligent design. Not at all, as we're going to see more and more as we go through this. So issue number one is this issue of the process whether it could really happen by accidents. Are we really meant to believe that an unguided process, meaning 
a bunch of accidents randomly will produce the world we live in. We don't have to be a scientist to understand how absurd such a thing really sounds at face value. Can you, do you really think that a monkey can evolve accidentally into a human being? We realize, of course, that the more complex the organism is, the more difficult it is to replicate and really to create. The more complex and functional the organism, the more chances there are for mistake to, to mistakes to ruin the whole thing. If I create a computer, there's very specific set of sequences, information that's necessary to create a computer. If something goes wrong, an accident is much more likely going to create havoc and chaos in the computer rather than actually to create more design. Again, if I give my, like we discussed, monkeys on a typewriter, we know that random things don't create functional organisms, or not even functional organisms, anything, anything of design, anything of purpose. Randomness and accidents don't do that. So we're expected to believe, these people tell us, that the, if you just give it enough time, if you give a monkey enough time, enough accidents, it'll eventually turn into a human being. Okay, that seems almost like faith. If you, again, if you would take a computer program and you were to give it to a monkey and say, go ahead, write what you want into it. Already fully formed computer program. Yeah, we're not even discussing where that came from for now, but let's even assume a fully formed computer program and you give it to a monkey. So let's say you take a computer from 50, uh, let's say 20, 30 years ago, and now you want to make a, a modern day computer, so you have to change it. So you give it to a monkey, what do you think is going to happen? What is more likely going to happen? Is it more likely going to happen that it's going to be created into a modern day, modern technologically advanced computer? Eventually, give a monkey 100 million years, do you think it's going to happen? Or is it more likely that since there's so much complexity and functionality and awareness of each point of the computer that it takes to create a computer, if you add something that's in control of it, that's going to randomly make changes to it, what do you think is going to happen? Is it, isn't it more likely to say that the entire thing will be destroyed? Now, the computer analogy is actually not really my analogy because it's actually a very apropos analogy to life because DNA is really like computer code. Now, there's a clip here I want everyone to listen to. It's a little, it's a three minute clip. It's a little bit long, but I think it's very, very kadai, very worth our time to listen to how this is a scientist describing, describing DNA. And I want everyone to listen, especially at the last minute, what, how he discusses things. So let's take a listen. When you go down that spine, how much information is there? Well, in the, in the human genome, there's about three billion nucleotides. And even on a single, in a single one-celled organism, there is enough information to build a minimally complex one-celled organism requires about 500, 400, or 500 proteins. And that's going to compute to several hundred thousand uh, what are called base pairs or individual nucleotide letters in, in that, in that genetic message. That all have to be arranged precisely. They have to be arranged precisely so that the instruction set will direct the construction of these proteins, these various kinds of proteins that are needed to keep cells alive. And proteins are essentially the toolbox of the cell that uh, some of them process information, some of them build structural parts, little miniature machines. We're discovering inside cells there are literally little tiny machines. And there's a form of nanotechnology, sliding clamps and rotary engines and uh, robotic walking proteins, 
Um, and then some proteins catalyze reactions. These are the enzymes that we hear about. So proteins do all the jobs that keep cells alive and animals alive, but they are only, they can only be built if the instruction set is right and that instruction set is stored on DNA. Even Bill Gates, when he looked at this, what did he say? Well, Bill Gates has, has said that DNA is like a software program, only much more complex than any we've ever been able to create. And uh, many other, uh, many biologists have made similar uh, observations. The uh, uh, famed biotech uh, pioneer Leroy Hood has said very, very directly that DNA contains digital code. All right. Explain how DNA relates to the Cambrian explosion and what we're talking about. Well, right. I, I used to ask my students a question. And, and if you want to give your computer a new function, what do you have to give it? And they'd say, well, code or instructions or software or information, and all of those are, are, are correct answers. And it turns out that the same thing is true in life. If you want to build a, a, a new form of life from a simpler pre-existing form of life, you need new information, or rather, to put it more precisely, the evolutionary process would need to generate new information, new code. And that raises a big question. How does it do that? How would it do that? How could it do that? And one of the reasons that's such a big problem, a big, a big question is that the mechanism, uh, the, the evolutionary mechanism, uh, the driving force of the evolutionary process is thought to be natural selection acting on random genetic mutation Ch- changes, random changes in the arrangements of ACs, Gs, and Ts, uh, the, the digital characters in the DNA molecule. But what we know from experience uh, experience of computer code, for example, is that if you start making random changes to digital char- characters in a message-bearing uh, sequence, you're going to degrade the information that's present in that sequence long before you're ever going to generate something fundamentally new and useful. I mean, just ask yourself a question if you're a computer programmer. If you've got a functioning computer program and you start randomly changing zeros and ones, are you going to generate a new program or operating system? Or are you going to, you're going to introduce glitches and bugs into the program you already have? Yeah. All our techies in the room are saying, keep the bugs away. Yeah. Keep the bugs away. So we heard it there straight from a scientist's mouth. That is something, again, this is very, very obvious that everybody should understand that if you take something very complex and functional where you need multiple things to work together to create something like a computer code and you submit it over and give it in control of something random, like a monkey or according to the non-believer, random evolution is nature, and it's going to act randomly on it, more likely it's going to produce chaos, not something of functionally designed. And that's very, very simple. So what some people, what they want us to believe is that let's take human beings. Human beings have lots of wisdom. They could create computers, all the technology we have. Imagine everything that human beings can do with their, with their chacha, with their wisdom. Yet at the same time, they cannot even come close to approximating creating something like an eye or a brain or a liver or anything in our body. Now you're telling me that you want me to believe that this all came about by accident. You're telling me that the things that human beings create, if we look at an airplane, a computer, anything that a human being created, you would never say accidents led to this. And it, I would I would even suggest, even if I gave it enough time, quote unquote, I'd say, you know what? 
10 million, 10 million years, 10 billion years, and I put a bunch of metal pieces. Do you think over 10 million years? And ju I just waited and I put it in the field. And as I waited for billions of years, do I think I'm going to get a car now? Do I think I'm going to get an airplane now? Forget about asking where did the metal pieces come from? And that it just happens to be that the metal pieces are exactly the pieces needed for these things. Forget about that question. That's what we're going to discuss in a moment. But really, are we really going to pretend that of the two options, design or accident, that accident is more likely to be the, the best explanation of what happens? Is where's the punchline in this joke? In any other area of life, someone were to suggest such a thing, that this all came about by accident, you would have them carted away into a mental institution. That's not a normal thing for people to say, that, that this all happened by accident. Yet this is exactly what we're, people are claiming, that not only did things happen by accident, but more complex things and more functional things than a computer or an airplane like a heart or a brain, which we can't even come close to creating. Those things all happen by accident. This is something that a rational, logical mind cannot accept. It's just something that doesn't need to be spoken about because it's just so irrational and logical to believe that all these things can happen by accident. Give it as much time as you want. 15 million years. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Besides, there's other issues of the fossil record, which we'll speak about. But forgetting about those issues, just the main issue at hand, again, we're assuming ev evolution did happen, but could it have happened by accident? That's something that a rational, logical mind cannot accept. As well, there are many other glaring and obvious questions to ask on the whole theory of evolution, assuming, again, that it happened by accident, or trying to claim that it happened by accident. Let's take a very basic one. Who evolved first, the man or the woman? Well, without the man, the human beings cannot exist. They cannot, there, there's, they cannot give birth. A man and woman are needed for giving birth. And if there's only a man, if they only have the organs of a man, then there will be no survival of the human beings. And the same thing for a woman. If you only have, if all people have the organs of a woman, then there's no survival for the human beings. Well, who evolved first? Again, if one of them evolved by themselves, then the entire race will die. So did they evolve together? Did they magically evolve at the same time with different organs? Each on their, on their own are useless, but together they're essential for the survival of the human race. There are many, many examples of this kind when we go in, into nature that there's one thing in nature which is useless without the other, yet together, and together they're both necessary and sometimes necessary for survival, like in our case that we just brought out. So, with, so again, if I ask you, who evolved first, the man or the woman? What's the answer for this? If it's random, it's almost going to be impossible to explain that. Again, if it's random. If it's not random, there's a different issue. But if this is all random and it's all by accident, it's again, it's something that the human mind should not accept, cannot accept because of, because of the complete irrationality of it, that to accept everything is randomness. Again, I don't care how much time you give, how many accidents you want. More accidents create more chaos, not more design. That's a very simple truth as well. So you want to give more time for more accidents? In any other area of life, we would not say such a thing that more chaos equals more design. It's it's completely irrational to say such a thing. Yet that's really what they're saying. They're saying, well, if you give it more time, give more accidents, more time, more randomness, give it more years, 10 billions of years, 15 billion years, whatever the number you want, and they'll say eventually it'll turn into design. Really? Is that something that real rational person should accept? I don't think so. This is only point one. Point number two is going to be, even, in my opinion, it's even harder to explain. And like we referenced before, this is called the origin of life. The two different disciplines in science. One is evolution and one is the origin of life. Although I'll expand it, I'll be expanding a little bit the strict definition just to bring out the point of what we want to discuss over here. So let's say I have a tree. So I can marvel at it, how it makes delicious, nutritious food for living beings, 
almost almost as if it had awareness that there were human beings eating from it. Of course it didn't because it was all random and accidental, but it's almost as if it had awareness that human beings will be eating from it. It makes colorful food to attract the eye, yet until it's ripe, when it's not edible, it has a different color, hiding it until it's ready. So again, it almost certainly has the appearance of design. It would, you would almost be crazy for thinking that it was by accident. But it really, it's only the appearance, as they will say, because of course it was all by accident. Now, someone comes along and says that it seems like it was designed. However, it wasn't. Really, millions or billions, whatever number you want to give of years ago, it was a simple seed. After many, many years of mistakes, it eventually blossomed into this tree. Okay, so this is what this person wants to say. Let's even accept this for now. Let's even get past our first problem that many, many accidents can create this. Okay. That's a very hard pill to swallow, but we'll swallow it just for the point of the exercise. Now the question is going to be, let's rephrase the question. The question is not, how did this functional, purposeful tree get here? No, the question is going to be, how did that seed with the latent pot potential of blossoming into a tree get here? You see, all evolution really does is take us back a step. Instead of pointing to the tree and say, wow, how amazing it is. And evolution has come along and saying, well, it could have been by accident. Given enough time, you'll get from a seed to a tree. No problem. Okay. Well, you realize that a seed has to have the potential to become a tree. Now, that's a lot of functionality and a lot of complexity and a lot of seemingly purpose, seemingly a lot of design. Actually, in, in a certain sense, more because it's a seed with the potential for this. It actually is a little bit Okay, but whether it's more or less than the actual tree, we could debate. But it's at least the same as a tree because it has every aspect of wisdom that the tree has, it's also in the seed. So now, instead of explaining how the seed became to a tree, which is what evolutionists claim to do, l let me ask a different question. I want to undercut the entire point of what you're coming to do. Evolutionists are coming to explain, seemingly coming to explain, how things to get from a simple organism to a much more complex and functional organism. Again, let's assume that that's true. And let's even assume for argument's sake that it all happened by accident. But where did the seed come from? Where did the seed with this potential blossoming into a tree, this latent power in it, that it could eventually one day turn into a tree, which gives a fruit, and the fruit has color, and so on and so forth, where did that come from? Can that have come from ac by accident? That's the question I really am interested in. So wherever everything comes from, you tell me wherever everything comes from. You, uh, the evolutionist will tell me that this came from this, this came from this, fine, I'll accept Go back to the first point, or one of the first points you want to get, and I'm going to point over there and stop over there and ask, is it possible that that thing, which now is the, po which is the, the possibility of turning into the entire world you see, or whatever organism you're talking about, is it possible that that thing was all an accident? So you say it came from a cell, or whatever it is, but this cell had the potential within it to turn into the universe, or again, whatever things we're talking about. So is it likely that the cell gets here by accident? So imagine the seed, only much, much, much more purposeful, complex, and meaningful. We heard earlier about DNA, how DNA is like a computer code, and that every anything in life needs this information. This is what, what scientists have learned over the past couple of years, a couple of 50, 10, 15 years, about more and more about DNA, and how more and more DNA, like Bill Gates said, is like a computer software, but much more complex than anything that, that they've ever written. So that that's where the organism that you're looking at comes from. Now, could that cell have come by accident? You could explain to me maybe how the cell could eventually, after enough accidents, turn into something. Or what, again, wherever this comes from, wherever you want to tell me this comes from, you could maybe explain to me how it evolves into a living thing. But where did this come from? 
Can that have been an accident? This issue is an issue of origin of life. Again, it's called origin of life, not evolution. Once we have all the pieces of the puzzle, then evolution, quote unquote, explains how it turned into a fully formed puzzle. Give it enough time, they say, more and more accidents. Again, we'll accept that for now. Sure, let's accept that. But where did those puzzle pieces come from? The puzzle pieces are necessary to to have into a puzzle. So accident brought them all together into a puzzle, fine. But where did they come from? Again, if you go back to our analogy before about a car, let's say there are many, many pieces of metal just lying around in a field. And eventually you'll tell me that uh, put a lot of enough accidents, enough wind and enough hurricanes and tornadoes, you get a bunch, put all that together, eventually you'll get into a car. Okay, let me swallow that for now. But how likely is it that these pieces of metal, which are the pieces needed for a car, came from, where do they came? That came from an accident. Where do they come from? We're looking at the source now, not only the process, but the source. The process acted on certain things. Where did those things come from? And it was likely that those things come from something from accident. So one of Richard, Richard Dark, Dawkins, he's one of the preeminent atheists in the world. I don't know if he's one of the preeminent scientists, but certainly one of the well, most well-known atheists in the world. So he, this is a quote from him. Darwinian evolution proceeds merely once life has originated. But how does life get started? That's that's an excellent question. That's exactly the question that we want to know. Again, so all evolution has done is push pushed it back a step. So instead of observing the end product, we'll absorb we'll observe the source of the product. Instead of looking at the end product and say, how did this get there? And have an evolutionist waste our time in saying that it was by accident, enough accidents got it from point A to point B. So let's forget about point B for a second. Let's even assume you're right. But point A, how did it get to point A with the possibility of turning it into point B? So all you've done, all evolution has done, has just rephrased the question, retargeted the question. The question is not on the end product, but on the source of this particular organism and the source of the world in that sense. Where did it, they say it came from this this soup, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, whatever however they want to say it. Now, this soup has the potential for our universe, has the potential for all the wisdom that we see in the universe, including all your wisdom that you're using, observing this, uh, trying to observe the origin of the universe. Now, where did that all come from? Did it all come from accident? Is that possible that it all came from accident? That's the question. I want to read from a couple of scientists who have eventually started to come around to this um, this weakness, really, they understand in evolution. So I'm going to give a couple of quotes over here. The entire apparatus, this is from Thomas Nagel, professor of philosophy at NYU. The entire apparatus of evolutionary explanation therefore depends on the prior existence of genetic material with these remarkable properties. Since the existence of this material or something like it is a precondition of the possibility of evolution, evolution evolutionary theory there cannot explain its existence. We are therefore faced with a problem. Again, this is all a quote. We have explained the complexity of organic life in terms of something that is itself just as functionally complex as what we originally set out to explain. So the problem is just pushed back a step. How did such a thing come into existence? Because they're trying to explain that complex organisms come from simple ones, but they don't really find any simple ones. Anything of life needs a lot of complexity and a lot of functionality. So, well, if you can, if you can explain, like I said in our, in our analogy, if we're trying to explain B, so we just say, well, evolutionary theory could explain how it came from A to B, but that doesn't help you explain how A. So again, how A came there. So again, the question is, so the problem is just push back a step. How did such a thing come into existence? Another scientist, Dr. Adi Pross, despite the widespread view that Darwinian evolution has been able to explain the emergence of biological complexity, 
That is not the case. Darwinian theory does not deal with the question of how life was able to come into being. The troublesome question still in search of an answer is how did a system capable of evolving come about in the first place? So again, they're coming to understand that really evolution doesn't really answer the question at all. It just simply replaces the question into an earlier step. Here's Dr. Robert Shapiro. I am not an expert in evolutionary theory, but I have no reason to quarrel with the conclusions of my scientific colleagues who are better informed. Informed. I feel, however, that the origin of life is a topic which is, quote, much more fundamental to the debate over intelligent design. The difference between a mixture of simple chemicals and a bacterium is much more profound than the gulf between a bacterium and an elephant. And renowned biologist Dr. Lynn Margulis made the same observation. To go, quote, to go from bacterium to people is less of a step than to go from a mixture of amino acids to a bacterium. Let's have one last quote from Dr. Eugene Kunin, who's a molecular biologist and very respected in origin of life researcher. Again, because we're not talking about um, evolution, we're talking about origin of life. So, and at, for the record, there are, you know, I'm going to read three quotes. One of them is going to be a little bit longer, but there are many, many other ones like this. So let me read this one. The origin of life is one of the hardest problems in all of science. Origin of life research has evolved into a lively interdisciplinary field, but other scientists often view it with skepticism and even derision. This attitude is understandable and in a sense perhaps justified given the dirty, rarely mentioned secret that despite many interesting results to its credit, when judged by the straightforward criterion of reaching, the ultimate goal, the origin of life, is a field is a failure. We still do not have even a plausible coherent model, let alone a validated scenario for the emergence of life on Earth. Certainly, this is not due to lack of experimental and theoretical effort, but to the extraordinary intrinsic difficulty and complexity of the problem. A succession of exceedingly unlikely steps is essential for the origin of life. And now this is a quote. These these make the final outcome seem almost a miracle. And he's not the only one scientist, a secular scientist, who describes this. Dr. Francis Crick, says as follows, quote, an honest man armed with all the knowledge available to us now could only state that in some sense the origin of life appears at the moment to be almost a miracle. Another quote, now I cannot deny all these possibilities, that life on earth may be a miracle or a freak or an alien infection. And I agree that confidence was misplaced that suppose in the 50s that the answer to the origin of life would appear in some footnote to the answer to the question of how organisms work. That's the end quote. So yes, could be a miracle, could be a freak accident or an alien infection. Those are, also, those are all possibilities. And there are many, many more of these quotes involved. So what we're showing, to get it very clear, what we're trying to show is that evolution does nothing to this question. Our question is, is the world intelligently designed or by accident? Evolution does nothing to answer that question. Even if evolution were to, were to be true, that does not explain where things came from. And if things explain, it could explain how things evolved Again, we pointed out how it's very unlikely that it would evolve accidentally, but even assuming that it could evolve accidentally, it doesn't explain where things came from that are evolving. The things that you need to evolve, do they come from by accident or not? Think about this for a moment. How do you get non-life into life? How does that happen? You know, there's a philosopher by the name of David Hume, and he talks about the argument from intelligent design. And, I, and maybe at some point, we'll speak about his arguments in depth. But I just want to take one thing that he says, is that one of the arguments, the way it was presented, and we touched on this also, is that if you have a watch, do you assume that it was there by accident or was created by a designer? So of course, you would assume that the watch was created by a designer. So, the, so just like you assume the watch testifies to its watchmaker, so too the world will testify to the creator. Now, David Hume has some objections to this, to this argument. I just want to point out one of them, which is 
he says as follows that there's a distinction. The distinction is that nature is alive and artifacts are not. In a sense, how can you compare the two things? A watch is not alive, yet nature and the world has living things in it. And really, even other parts of nature, even the non-living parts of nature, are much more closer to life than a watch is. And therefore, you can't make that comparison. That's what he wants to argue. Now, I, I don't really know what he wants to argue. I don't really understand the point. It is true that you made a distinction, but that's called a distinction without a difference. A chiluk that's not mechalik. So what? In fact, it's not that only that is no difference. It actually makes it more difficult. Because if a watch, which doesn't have life, you're telling me is so obvious, it's, it's called a kavachoymer now, you're telling me it's so obvious that that must have been made by a creator. Something which does have life, which has all the complexity and functionality of a watch, plus it actually has life, that you're telling me came by accident? That you're willing to say that it came out of nothing or came completely random? Life is much more purposeful, meaningful, complex, functional, whatever you want to say, than a watch. Yet by watch, you're telling me nobody disagrees with that. Everybody agrees that a watch, it's a very logical, rational approach to assume that conclusion to make that a watch came from a designer. Yet now you're going to tell me something which is far more complex, purposeful, meaningful than a watch, i.e. something with life, that you're going to be willing to tell me is by accident? Forget about the billions of years. Where did it come from? How does non-life turn into life? How do you get, can you get a building evolving into a human being, as absurd as that sounds? Well, the creation of life from non-life is actually the same type of thing. You're trying to say that non-life there was non-life, and it started and, and evolved, as it were, into life. How does that happen? Unless you're telling me life was there initially, but where did that life come from? And so on and so forth. So really, again, evolution hasn't answered anything. And the origin of life is the main question. How did something come from nothing? Was there nothing before? Unless you're going to tell me that there was the eternality of the universe, which is a different discussion, which right now scientists don't accept. So we're not going to accept that for now. But unless you're going to tell me that, you have to say that at some point there was something, excuse me, somewhere there was nothing, and then there was something. Well, what do you have? What kind of theories do you have? Naturalistic theories to explain that. How do you use a naturalistic theory to explain the origin of the entire nature? How are you going to do that? And how is evolution going to help from that? The answer is it's not going to help at all. And therefore you haven't solved anything. Because for whatever that something came from nothing, number one, how did it get there? And number two, how did it get to be such a complex, purposeful, meaningful thing that eventually the rest of the universe simply evolved from it? So you want to describe that process, great. But we're not even talking about that. We don't care about that process. We're talking about where did that thing come from nothing? How did it come from nothing? And how did it become the universe? How is it such a thing that included with it the possibility to become the universe? Those are questions that evolutionists have not even come closer, close to answer. In scientific terms, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but let's see, quote-unquote, a biogenesis, which means life from non-life. This is a quote, again, strikes many as virtually miraculous. It is even conceivable that scientists will one day create life of some sort of laboratory and thus demonstrate convincingly that a miracle isn't needed. Is that, that's what they're willing to say. They're willing to say that eventually it'll happen. But yes, they are right, that it is a miraculous thing. Non-life into life is a miraculous thing. And as, as the scientist c continues to say, is life a miracle after all? Well, we think so. We think Bereshis Bar Elohim. But they'll get there eventually. And last quote, Life is improbable, and it may be unique to this planet, but nevertheless, it did begin. And it is thus our task to discover how the miracle happened. Okay, well, good luck to them to try and explain it. The naturalistic process of how the, this miracle, quote-unquote miracle, 
happened. Again, these are their, their own words. And this is precisely the point. In terms of origin of life, evolution has nothing to say about it. And these scientists have nothing to say to explain about it. Of course, they wouldn't be able to because it's way, way out beyond their field of expertise, but it's it's more than that. It's almost going to be impossible to try and understand the origin of how the system came into being from within the system. And so that's the question. The question is, how did such an unbelievably complex, functional, meaningful world come into being without a designer? And they haven't even come close to answering such a question. No matter, they could scream evolution all they want, evolution doesn't help for the two reasons we gave. Number one, to accept to, to accept the fact that it came by accident, that it evolved by accident is something that a rational mind cannot accept. And number two, even if you were to accept that, and everything they say means you were to accept that, accept everything they say, but where did that all come from? The potential to have the world, to have A evolve into B, A must have come from somewhere. Where did that come from? Where did, what is the origin of life? How did life come from non-life? Where does the world come from ultimately? Or the, the soup that eventually got into the world? Where did that all come from? And that they haven't answered, and that I don't think they'll be even close to be answering anytime soon. All else being equal, is it not at least more likely that the world will design? If we have to ask the question, so <laughs> the question we would phrase it as, keeping in mind everything we just discussed, isn't it more, at least more likely if a person coming to make an objective decision and wants to say, I don't know for sure if there's an absolute proof for God. There's no absolute proof for God. Fine. But what's more likely? Isn't it at least more likely that it was designed than it came by accident? Are there any questions if I were to, were to suggest that this was designed? Are there any weaknesses with that hypothesis? Are there any questions on that? As opposed to the other way of saying that it was accident is something that not only there are questions, but it's something that it's completely, completely absurd. Certainly not even a face value, certainly after more depth and understanding of what they're really claiming, it's pretty much absurd. That being the case, I see no reason why, if we want to be as objective as possible, to say anything other than that the most likely, logical, rational conclusion is that there is a designer. Just like Chazal said thousands of years ago, we're going to come with the same conclusion. Just like the shirt testifies to the tailor, so too the world testifies to its creator. Exclusive content on Patreon. You can submit your question and get them answered only for members on Patreon. Don't forget to check out our own website, msofterra.com and remember we are wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify google podcasts subscribe to know when the next episode is being released the podcast is produced by ellie podcast productions <laughs>